This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude, Altitude. Altitude. Adjustment. Start again. Okay, so start from, okay. So, um, yeah, so I started my entrepreneurial journey in 08. Uh, I'd had six different jobs that year um, and decided that I wanted to work for myself. So I started a photography business, um, but realized that I didn't really like taking photos of people. <laughs> and I was doing weddings and portraits. That's where the money is. I enjoyed photography with like, you know, landscapes and architecture and and animals but not really people's but the bigger issue was the expense to maintain equipment and so I switched to an online business model but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do and tried a variety of things um, like blogging affiliate marketing drop shipping and during that process I discovered all these free or affordable tools resources and software to run a business on a budget so I decided to write a book called Frugalpreneur um, about the different online business models and how to run them on a budget and while I was writing that book I decided to launch a podcast to coincide with the book as an extra way to market it also called Frugalpreneur uh, but it was just going to be you know 10 episodes but um, I was getting more leverage and traction with the podcast and the book I love the connections I was making and the networking and um, so I decided to keep the podcast going and uh, that's been a couple years now and 85 or so episodes and um, so as far as the second book that one's called Authorpreneur and that's about um, the process of self-publishing it's kind of like as I learn something then I <laughs> write a book about it um, and then I, my third book is Podcastpreneur. So it's like the Preneur series. It's like a trilogy, I guess. And that's about podcasting because now I'm all in on podcasting. I'm working on a podcasting course. Um, I've launched a podcast production agency and, and all of that. But it took over a decade of trying this, that, and the other thing to, to realize that podcasting was my... Um, I guess forte or niche or whatever and mm -hmm. um, but yeah that's the story behind the three books kind of as I learn something I write a book about it <laughs> so in, in your in your podcast what podcast renewer is it just about business and just about uh, uh, podcasting I mean what what do you what like what cop kind of topics you cover in your podcast uh, so yeah, the, the the podcast is called Frugalpreneur, Building a Business on a Bootstrap Budget, and it's about business in general, but doing it on a budget. So like some of the, I do have some solo episodes where I'll talk about a particular software program I use that's free or affordable, but most of them are interviews with uh, people who either work in the companies, uh, you know, of the software programs that I use, or they are experts in their field of online business, whether it's podcasting, blogging, affiliate marketing, self-publishing. Um, and then this year, I've kind of pivoted a little bit to interview people who have started a business with under a thousand dollars 
and then bootstrapped it with no like outside capital or funding or you know credit or loans or any of that um, up to over a million dollars so those have been some interesting conversations and wow. and I'm now I'm thinking about doing a series on kid entrepreneurs <laughs> and shark tank entrepreneurs people who have been on the show and just a variety of ideas I have um, but yeah it's, it's all business related Wow, that's interesting. So, um, you, you've been doing it how many years now? The podcast? Uh, two years. Two years. So now, are you monetized? Uh, a little bit. Um, I do monetize through affiliate marketing, where, like, if I have someone on the show who has, you know, a course or a software program or a book or something like that, I'll obviously link use my affiliate link if they have one. Um, in the show notes and then of course monetizing through my own products and services like the podcast production agency the course that's coming out um, my own books okay. and then I haven't done any sponsorships yet but I'm f contemplating it right now mm -hmm. um, but yeah those are the main ways that I'm monetizing it <laughs> So when you say sponsorship, you're talking about like ads and stuff on the show or that type of thing? Right. Yeah. But I, I've always been kind of against that, but it would have to be something really targeted or niche, like relevant, you know? Right. Um, cause a lot I of did. people will have ads on for stuff that has nothing to do with their audience and I don't want to do that. So, sure. um, yeah, and I'll probably do like host red ads where it's like my own voice, you know. Um, so I'm I'm thinking about that. Okay. So when you say uh, um, that they have ads on that aren't targeted to the audience, are these host red ads, uh, or these these uh, um, pre-recorded ads? Yeah, I think it's usually pre-recorded. Like I think they call it dynamic insertion, where they. Yeah. It, it could just be anyone who inserts an ad wherever <laughs> well, and so you don't really have control over even where it goes and right so a, like YouTube uh, you know when mm. you get big enough on YouTube they'll just start sticking ads into your into your product um, mm. yeah so that I, yeah. I I've encountered so I have uh, mixed feelings about that you know it, mm -hmm. it's great that um, that people can earn a living doing what we do. Um, and I, I really, I, I know, I understand your aspect of uh, that the, the ads may not necessarily, ref, ref, uh, you feel targeted to your audience. But one of the things that I've always talked about is that the whole, the whole ad system has to support all the other stuff. So, um, whereas, you know, you, you talk about business and somebody might want to put a diaper commercial in the middle of your podcast. Uh, I understand how that might be, un, you know, unpleasant for you as the podcaster. But, you know, you know, people who have diapers, wear diapers or, or diapers, who have children that need diapers probably listen to your podcast, too. So... So hopefully it, the, the yeah. system works in such a way that, um, that you can do what you do, you know, make a, a good business out of it, 
and uh, people get uh, ads for services and goods that they um, can use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know a lot of people, myself included, kind of do their own ads in a way, like for your own stuff, mm-hmm. or at least a lead magnet, like a, a call to action for, mm-hmm. um, you know, something of yours that you're giving away to grow your email list and things like that. Um, so that's the way I pre- have been doing it and prefer to do it. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I keep hearing about like sponsorships and ads and stuff. I'm like, hmm, I'll look into it. <laughs> yeah, that, that right. kind of, yeah, re- reading ads in the middle of the podcast, I kind of, um, I, I'm, I push, kind of push back against that, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, once you start endorsing a product, um, people take, I think, people take your, um, they, they, you then lose some of your credibility as objective. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. that's. Yeah. Important. Yeah. I mean, I would only do, I think I would only, if I were to do it, would only do it for products and services that I actually use. Um, mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. <laughs> so when you were taking photos, and, and um, that stands out to me, I, amateur photographer um were you developing your own this was this digital photography or was this the old-fashioned um rolls of film photography uh yeah it was digital digital photography back in 08 so i mean it was the dslr cameras but Mm -hmm. before they could do like video and all that so Mm -hmm. I, i can't remember when did when did they stop the uh, stop when when they, when the camera industry went completely digital? I'm, I I don't remember how long ago that was because I still got I've still got my old Canon thirty five millimeter camera uh, oh, okay. with the winder <laughs> on it for the for the film and stuff. Mm. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of, I it, I can't bring myself to get rid of that camera. I just absolutely. <laughs> Loved that camera. Um, I had that camera since I was 18 years old, and I would just take rolls and rolls and rolls of film. So it's difficult. Oh, wow. So what did you do with your with your uh, photography equipment? Uh, well, actually, I still have some, but I sold most of it. <laughs> ah, you got rid of it. Yeah. So you weren't yeah. as tied to it. <laughs> I wasn't what? As tied to it. Oh, um no uh, yeah i i mean i i feel like doing the weddings and the portraits it almost like ruined photography for me <laughs> like obviously that some people like doing that um but right. for me i mean i don't know i i wouldn't say that that's not creative it is creative but i don't know i just enjoyed like landscapes and animals and architecture uh-huh. and things that felt for me more creative I guess um, sure and, and with doing weddings especially it was just because even back then in 08 or 09 and so on um, you know people, everyone still had cell phones you know smartphones and um, 
and they would be taking photos while I was trying to do like the group photos and Mm -hmm. people's eyes would be like at (laughs) going back and forth between, you know, and in the contract that I had or the agreement, um, it said, you know, let people know not, not to be, to wait to do their own photos until after I do mine. Um, but but they don't do that. And so it just, yeah, there were a lot of frustrating things about it. (laughs) I imagine it's a whole lot different uh, doing uh, nature and animals and things like that as opposed to having to deal with people. (laughs) Yeah, uh, because for me, it feels more creative, but more relaxing. And I call all the shots. You know, I don't have to worry about people cooperating or, um, you know, any variety of things. (laughs) people being people (laughs) yeah yeah so So, but it's hard to make money in photography when you're just i mean unless you get to work for a magazine or you're some kind of freelance photographer which i never really looked into but i imagine that would be difficult to you know get into um you know the only way to really make money in photography unless you're somehow get a gig like that uh is weddings and portraits and so i realized that I mean, I did it for like seven years, but oh, wow. wow, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you ever uh, shoot someone uh, that was married more than once? <laughs> no, <laughs> actually, not. <laughs> husband number one, <laughs> husband number two, <laughs> wife. Number that, that would have been funny though. That yeah, would have been interesting. That's that's capturing yeah. um, life. Yeah, I, I yeah. couldn't do. I've done a a few parties. I've done a couple of weddings. I just didn't. That's not the kind of photography I wanted to do. I'm like you. I wanted to. uh, So that's why I kept it a hobby. Uh, I Mm -hmm. never even really charged for it. uh, Just enough to cover my film costs and developing and whatever. I I eventually wanted to get into developing my own pictures. It gives you a little bit more creativity. But um, digital came in. uh, And so... I, I didn't. Yeah, I feel like it, it's something that I should have kept as a hobby because I enjoyed it as a hobby, but not. But not as, as a right profession. Yeah. Yeah. So you've okay. had so you've had several businesses, and um, did you did you start all of your businesses with the with the intent to um, keep your costs down, or did you, you know, like a lot of people have this money burning a hole in your pocket and you thought i'm gonna go and start this great and wonderful business oh well i don't think i've ever had money burning a hole in my pocket (laughs) so i've i've always tried to do everything on a budget though with photography that's kind of difficult to do but i I, um as far as photography goes i think i did it on a budget um but yeah with online business it's so easy to do that because there's very little overhead um, basically a website, email list, uh, and some, maybe some software programs, but I mean, I started out, you know, trying to run my online businesses for under a hundred a month. And now I'm down to like 40 to 60 a month. Um, I've, yeah, <laughs> just gotten rid of some software programs that, you know, I maybe, because basically the way I do it now is 
say there's like a few different software programs that are similar, I'll go with whatever one has a free option mm-hmm. and I'll go, <laughs> I'll go free until I have to upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And, and so there's always, there's always somebody new thinking they can come out and reinvent the wheel and, in order to try to get people on board, they're going to offer the free option until one day they're making enough money and then they go, well, we don't need all of these free people. Mm-hmm. And they'll kick you off and then you have to find a new one. Um, but with, with the, which I found interesting is that I, I don't know where this echo is coming from, but I hear that echo that you were talking about earlier. Oh, hmm. Did, I don't hear it. You don't hear it? You don't hear it, Warren? No, not now. All right. I don't know. It's just me then. Um, huh? I had a question. Go ahead. So uh, you became a frugalpreneur, and that's what you wanted to write about and share with people. So over the years, what would you, what have you determined to be the key points of frugalpreneurship and how you do that? Yeah, so, I mean, one thing is kind of like I had said, you know, start with anything that's free that you can. Like, for example, the email list, um, the email marketing platform I use is called SendFox. And when I signed up, uh, it was free up to 3,000 subscribers, so I'm grandfathered in at that, but now it's dropped to like 1,000. And what I like about that platform, actually, is that for content creators especially like bloggers youtubers podcasters is that you can put in your blog or rss feed or your youtube channel and it'll automatically generate a weekly newsletter with your latest episodes and so it saves time and it's free um but yeah so there's been a variety of software programs um where like i said there's maybe several options I go with either whatever's free or the most affordable so that's one way Um, and then just not feeling like you need anything and everything Uh, some people go overboard with software programs that they don't even need I I keep it as simple Uh as possible Um, actually on my website I have the list of everything I use Um, okay it's at thesarahstjohn.com and then at the top it'll say 27 tools I use so those are basically everything that I use and recommend a lot of them are free um, or really affordable Uh, another thing like when I got started in podcasting I think a lot of people assume that it's expensive to start a podcast because they think of like a broadcast studio that's what they're imagining um, but I mean, I started a podcast for under a hundred dollars. Um, I got an ATR 2100 mic, which is like 60 or 80 bucks USB that plugs into your computer. Um, mm-hmm. there's free editing and recording software like audacity. Yeah. Um, we use that. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's, I, it's one of those things where it's like, it, it takes time. Well, and that's why I wrote the book actually was because to save people time from having to research like mm-hmm. the the best free or affordable options to do this that or the other thing they want to do um so yeah i think just keeping in mind that you don't have to have 
the best or the most expensive or you know as you make money in your business then you can upgrade as you see fit you know or mm -hmm. as needed but uh but yeah i recommend just starting you know small and with the basics <laughs> right right okay. so you self-published your books mm -hmm. yeah through amazon uh-huh oh okay through the amazon self-publishing Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's say someone came to you and, and they were talking about starting a podcast. You know, what would you what would be your share? What would you share with them about, you know, starting and doing their podcast? Yeah, so the first thing would be they need to niche down and be, you know, figure out <clears throat> what they want to talk about because there's very few people who can talk about anything and everything. Um, it needs to be targeted and a creative or obvious name. I mean, my name, if uh, people probably aren't searching the word Frugalpreneur because it's made up, but, um, you know, so sometimes I'm like, should it have been the Frugal Entrepreneur? So that when someone searches entrepreneur, then maybe it pops up or frugal um but i think that's that's why i decided to do a tagline or um yeah that says yeah. building a business on a bootstrap budget which most people don't do taglines and maybe they don't need them but i think if your title needs maybe somewhat of an explanation um but i think people still get the gist so yeah definitely having a creative title that explains what the show is about um cover art is important uh having something that really pops and sticks out as you're you know scrolling through apple podcasts or whatever it needs to mm -hmm. stick out right. um as far as like some people will name their show like their name like the like for me mm -hmm. the sarah st john show or something right. um the problem is unless you're like open you know oprah or someone that everybody knows then it it doesn't make sense because they're not probably searching for your name you're not going to pop up sure. and even if you do they're going to be like i don't know what this is about you know i don't know mm -hmm. who this person is i think it's okay to have whatever the name of the show is and then say with so and so um but yeah so i would stay away from using your name as the show title unless you're like really well known then it's actually good to use your name in there um and then avoid using like your face as the primary unless you're well known of course uh, so those are some tips as far as um like naming and cover art and whatnot and then you'll need a podcast host uh which i use captivate um there are some that have i think sounder and spreaker and anchor uh those all have like free plans if you want to just kind of try it out and get started uh, and mm -hmm. i started out on a spreaker free plan um but but i mean you can even once you have to pay for it it's anywhere from five to twenty bucks or so a month so it's still pretty manageable mm -hmm. yeah. yeah um and then yeah audacity you can record and edit in for free what i use now um, which does have a free plan, but it doesn't get you very far. So I have the $15 a month plan, and this is one of the very few things I pay for. It's called Descript. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it, it's 
you can record into it but what i really like it or use it for is that when you're editing an episode so you pull in your audio or if you've already recorded straight into it your audio is there it'll create a transcript and then you can edit the audio by editing the transcript so like in one click you can remove all the ums and uhs and other filler words oh, and wow. it, it saves a lot of time you can even take video and drag it in there and edit your video by editing the transcript so so if you take out uh, and uh, i'm sorry for interrupting so if you take out an um it automatically eliminates that audio from the clip Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes out you. You basically you click on one of them. You right click and say remove all filler words or whatever. Oh, okay. And it'll even tell you how many there are, two hundred or whatever, and it'll take them all out in one click. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, how would that work on a video though? When you... <laughs> yeah, so you can actually take a. Oh uh, well, yeah. It, I mean it. The video, it's uh, once it's edited like that, where it removes words. I mean, it. You'll see the jump it's, cuts. Yeah, but it's not too obvious. I mean, oh, really? it, it doesn't yeah. look it doesn't look bad. I don't think. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that those are a few suggestions anyway for starting a podcast. Yeah. yeah so, absolutely. So you uh, said that was Descript. Uh huh. Descript. Yeah. Wow. Got it. And now, and now, is that is that in your book? Uh, it's in the podcastpreneur book. Back when I was doing frugalpreneur, where I was kind of talking about a bunch of different tools, I don't. First of all, I don't even know if Descript existed, or if it did, I didn't know about it because I wasn't really podcasting yet. But it is in podcastpreneur. And your books are, are you can download those for free, actually, can't you? Yeah, at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. I have all three of those available as a PDF to download. So how do you make, how do you make, so, you, so you're using those to, uh, I don't know, uh, create buzz about your podcast? <clears throat> mm -hmm. I, I mean, the, the, they are available for sale mm -hmm. on Amazon oh, okay. and Barnes & Noble and all that stuff. Like if you wanted a print copy. Mm -hmm. um, well, you can buy the ebook too, but I mean, I'm get, I give away the ebook for free. So, if you want the print copy, then you can um, get it on Amazon. But yeah, I use I use that as basically like a lead magnet or lead generation uh, because in order to download them, you have to put in your email address, and then you grow your email list, um, mm -hmm. and yeah. yeah, from there. And then with my email list, I'll send out like new podcast episodes and. Sometimes I'll hear about some kind of software program I use offering some kind of special or free deal, you know, and I'll send out an email about that, <clears throat> things like that. Okay. <laughs> you, you can't actually exist in this world without an email address, can you? <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people when they start a business sorry i've had a frog in my throat i don't know <laughs> i'm trying to just keep going without like <clears throat> i should have water next to me sometimes i do but for some reason i don't today oh, anyway sorry. um so just <laughs> just disregard uh if i start sounding scratchy I anyway well, if, if, it, uh, if you need to take a break 
Uh, we can. Oh we can no, have... I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. I, it feels better now. Okay, I just very had good. to clear it. Very good. <laughs> um. So yeah, a lot of people when they start an online business, they think that all they need is, you know, a Facebook page, and it's important to have social media. But the problem is you need to have your own website and your own email list because those are the two things that you own. Whereas with like Facebook, for example, well, first of all, I mean, MySpace disappeared overnight. So who knows? You just never know. Um, But then also the algorithms are always changing. And I think only one to two percent of your... um, fans or followers even see your stuff unless you pay to boost it uh-huh yeah and it, so yeah definitely having a website and an email list i would say those are the two most important things to start with and um for any kind of business doesn't matter really what it is um but yeah <laughs> okay so how how do uh, how well are the books selling at all? So the thing is with Amazon, you kind of have to keep promoting it for it to continue oh. to sell. Right. So so I still get a sale here or there on them, but I mean when I first launched them, they sold pretty well. I was able to get it to like number one in the category. Uh, which isn't too hard to do really but there's like a whole way to go about kind of doing that and whatnot but um so i think starting you know when you first launch a book on amazon it's easier to get sales but then they kind of trail off if you're not consistently marketing it and getting sales because they have an algorithm too and so if sales start to decline then they're not as likely to show that book like if Mm -hmm. someone searches something they're not as likely to show it or as a also bought you know type thing you can do you can do ads on amazon but i haven't had much luck with that so yeah um so now i don't even really think of the books as any kind of money maker i mean i get a you know a few dollars here and there every month but uh i so i use them more as lead generation now so have you tried okay. have you tried the um uh, facebook uh you know paying that because they, they they're tricky here so so they offer their advertising you know two dollar campaign or five dollar campaign mm-hmm. uh and then and then they say well we can we can guarantee you 1500 people are going to see it for 10 bucks um mm-hmm. have you have you tried using that what has been your experience I, with that if you've tried it i haven't tried it for the books i just did amazon ads for that but i've tried it for other things and like when I had a drop shipping business, for example, things like that. Um, and that it does seem, I, I think it's more difficult now than it used to be, or it's more expensive now than it used to be. Uh, but it does seem to work pretty well. Um, because I think the benefit of Facebook advertising is it's so targeted. Um, I know when I'm scrolling through Facebook, 
I actually did a post the other day about how I pretty much just go to Facebook now. Other than business stuff, I pretty much just go to Facebook to see what ads show up because they're so targeted and relevant. Uh, <laughs> um, so I would say that that's an advantage that Amazon has. I mean, Facebook has over really any other form of advertising that I'm aware of is just how, because it knows pretty much everything about you and what you like and your interests and what you're looking for and what, you know. Um, so Isn't Google pretty much on that same level too? Everything you browse, you know, next thing you know, well, it's popping up in your feed. Yeah, that's true. I haven't run a Google ad in a while. Like when I had the photography business, I did that quite a bit because I was able to niche down and target you know people in the dallas area where i was doing photography mm. um so i felt like that it made more sense to do google ads for that because someone might type yeah. in wedding photographer in dallas and then maybe i'll show up um but i was so, more talking about the ads that they show you like from your searches and your browsing history oh i see yeah, yeah that's that's true i I don't know i haven't found it as i don't think as targeted as facebook but mm -hmm. it's still they i mean it still keeps up with like your search history so yeah, yeah. facebook sure. facebook has got over i think 70 or percent of the online advertising market oh does it yeah oh wow i didn't even know that <laughs> so oh, so wow. if you're if you're if you're advertising on on online uh, you're gonna hit you're gonna hit uh Google in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Mm-hmm. So, um... Yeah. Yeah, it's funny when... I'm assuming... Have y'all seen the social network from, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, whatever, that movie about oh, Facebook? No, I haven't watched it, no. no. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, what's funny, because it's like how Facebook got started. It's a oh, movie, Oh, that movie, not... yeah. The movie about how it got started. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a documentary, but yeah, I remember. It's pretty old now, but yeah. Yeah, um, I remember in the movie them saying that they didn't plan on ever doing ads because they didn't want to, you know, junk it up or dilute it or whatever. But then, like, that's like all they do now. Right. That's what they Funny do. How now. Money that's changes their things. Huh? That's, that's yeah. their business. You know, they started out with very altruistic intent. Yeah. And, uh -huh. and then somehow they realized, you know, we can monetize this. And mm -hmm. altruism kind of took a different route. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I think they got Zuckerberg uh, pretty tagged pretty good, though, because he was kind of arrogant in that movie. <laughs> like he is. Who was, oh, I didn't see the movie, so I couldn't tell you. So we've got a comment. Uh, uh, you have to spend a lot of money to watch thousands of, to reach thousands of people. And the last sentence, I'm not, I don't fully understand. I love Go Old Street Flyer. Is that a, is that an advertising platform? Is it a, a website? Oh, handing out oh. flyers. Paper, yeah, handing out paper flyers. Oh, street flyers. Like back in the day, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think actually for like a local business, that handing out flyers or advertising maybe in a local paper or something like that uh -huh. actually 
might do better uh, than than the online you know, advertising. Right. But yeah, but so, but I don't have, when I had a photography business, I did have a local business. Right. And so I did kind of, I did some of that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. would I think I advertised in our HOA no- newsletter and things like that. Um, but now my businesses aren't like tied to a location really. So I don't really do that now, but yeah, I think definitely for local businesses, you know, I, I'm always getting little cards and flyers on my door for like Mm -hmm. lawn care, Mm -hmm. you know, right. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. So, so yeah, so the advertising world is a, um, it is a real ecosystem that, uh, has a lot of good built into it that's how we learn about goods and services and products and the the thing that I'm uh, concerned about now is the security issues that we're dealing with as far as online advertising so one of the things that you talked about is the targeted advertising um, and there are financial benefits to business owners for targeted advertising but uh, do you feel that that there is a cost to the general public for businesses having that access. Yeah, and that's kind of the dilemma, especially as a business owner who's trying to use Facebook and whatnot to market and advertise because it's like, on the one hand, you probably don't want other businesses having, you know, that ability or information about you. But then on the other hand, you're like, well, but I like being able, I like having, well, I don't have the information, Facebook does, but I mean, I like being able to target people with ads and things like that. So I definitely see both perspectives. Um, Yeah, and I think the whole privacy thing is a big issue now because, I mean, I I haven't followed it too closely. I don't know all the ins and outs of it, um, but I I think for marketing purposes, it's okay to a certain degree. Um, but if if they're using the information for other things, right. you know, I'm, I'm not sure what extent they are. Um, yeah, there's a lot of opinions about that. Yeah, no, I, I fully and, understand. And, and I'm, you know, it's, it's not meant to put you on the spot or anything like that. Uh, um, it's just that, uh, you know, when we give, so so in a society where honor and integrity is mm-hmm. high on the list of things, targeted advertising wouldn't be significant. But unfortunately, we're in a society where cash is king, and so people will take opportunities to... Um, sell information without mm. caring about the ethical aspect of that. And so and while I, I see the benefit, I, I also see the, the detriment too. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't agree with selling information. I think when people are able to target ads because it's using information that you've already given Facebook like I like these pages or I go to these places or I like these bands or whatever it might be I like these restaurants or Mm -hmm. I think that is okay but if they're like 
once your personal information, like, uh, you know, and I guess this could go outside of Facebook. This could be in the medical area as well. Like yeah. anything that's, you know, selling your information, especially personal information that you've never made public. Because a lot of the stuff on Facebook, you know, is public, like where you've been or who you like or whatever. Um, mm. But, yeah. See, now so, I don't think that that's uh, public. What was that? I don't think that that's public. Oh, you public. don't? Think no. I don't, I, and I realize that I look at things a little differently, but I believe mm -hmm. that, um, so, so Facebook has this concept of friends. So mm -hmm. you yep. pick your friends. And then you like something, and when you click on like, it's so that your friends know that you liked it. <laughs> so the concept well, of yeah. public then becomes different to me. That's just to me. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, but you know, you click on that like, and it'll the names will drop down. <laughs> you can see who else likes exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You see a list of all of the people that clicked mm -hmm. like whether they're your right. friends or not your friends. Mm -hmm. And so and so they I think I think they've made public what was mm -hmm. what should have been private. I think I get what you're saying. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not really private once you uh once you click on open it up like that. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that before, but that's a good point. Careful what you like. <laughs> Careful what you like. <laughs> you know. Or or where you check in at or whatever. Exactly. Uh -huh. You know, so, so, um, you know, so, so I have some issues with how we view uh, public and private. And, and, mm -hmm. and so when, when I, I, you know, when people, when I hear people say, well, that's public information, you know, it kind of, it's like chalk on a, on a, uh, it's like scraping on a, a chalkboard. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm, you know, just because I, I, because it wasn't on my computer I clicked on it, that doesn't make it public as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, those are good points. I hadn't really thought about that. I hadn't thought about it in much detail, I guess, but now I'm going to have to look more into that. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, so it is what it is. So, so Facebook right. gets away with doing what they do. YouTube gets away with doing what they do. You know, mm -hmm. When you get to be that big, you somehow get to write rules. And I get it. Um, I wish that there were several competing YouTubes. I wish mm. there were several competing Facebooks and MySpace. I, mm -hmm. Like you said, you know, MySpace just kind of disappeared. I, I think so what I'm not going to say what I think as far as that goes but by that competition people have options mm. so Facebook had issues come up a while back with <clears throat> data breaches mm -hmm. there was no place for people to go if they didn't like Facebook yeah there are other um, social media platforms they could have went to um, uh, Snapchat but in order to have the same level of access to their friends, all of their friends would have to go to Snapchat also. Mm -hmm. So, so Facebook gets to be a bad actor for the simple fact that they're that people are captivated 
uh, because you couldn't mm-hmm. take your friends list right someplace else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And one thing that I've been kind of annoyed with is that <clears throat> I feel like anytime some kind of new social network pops up, then Facebook copies it. Like, for example, I don't know if you've heard of Clubhouse. Yep. I've heard of it. Yeah, it's like an audio-only platform. And now Facebook and Twitter and all those others, they're creating their own Clubhouse-like thing in... That's what they do. Yeah, they did that, I think, with Snapchat and Mm -hmm. TikTok and all that. They implement those types of things, like, into the stories. Mm -hmm. And anyway... I just, it's kind of annoying because it's like, it'd be nice to be able, it's almost like they're making it difficult for other social platforms to even have a chance or exist or be their own thing. Right. Um, right. Well, then they just have the big players. So you as a entrepreneur or I'm sorry, frugalpreneur (laughs) try to operate your business and try to compete on a fair level. And um, if the big players, if Facebook decides they don't like your growth, they'll buy your competitor. Mm. So, mm-hmm. so now you have to compete against a bigger competitor. Mm. You've, you've, you've recognized that you're in a market and you've recognized your risk. Your risk is there are five players in your market that are at your level of competition as far as finances and materials that they are or uh, services that they offer. Mm-hmm. So you're doing the best that you can and you are obviously operating on a budget and you may be making some headway. You may be making some growth. You may be, uh, you know, putting a challenge to your competitors. When that challenge challenge exists, the customer benefits. Your customer benefits, their customer benefits, and then a big player comes in and scoops up one. Now they start to dictate how the market goes. Now they start to dictate what you have to do to compete. And so now to to even just maintain your market share, you're going to have to find their deeper pockets. So I don't... So I, I understand business and, you know, I like the idea of, um, you know, people operating a budget, uh, operating businesses on a low budget. That's, that's the American way. That should be the American way. But when you've got people that can throw money around, it changes the equation, you know, and it makes that, uh, your effort difficult. Um, Marie Chiller says she loves the show. Uh, and she thanks us. Uh, thank you for tuning in, Marie. Uh, we really appreciate you being here. Uh, Midwest Show Me Funny is in the house. Uh, Warren is going to know her. She's um, she's somebody that we both uh, knew a while back, or had mm-hmm. know. That yeah. is that is, uh, and she see she was the one that talked about uh, the flyers. So we appreciate. Oh you yeah, yeah. Okay. Making your comments, um, but. You know, uh, so, so, um, Sarah, 
you know, help people get started, uh, find ways to. So you've talked about email, um, mm-hmm. which is an online. So, you know, what other things that you think will help them to online businesses to compete? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it you got to find, I guess, how you're different than the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, okay, for example, my podcast production agency, which is podseam.com, P-O-D-S-E-A-M. Um, I haven't updated my website to reflect this yet, but the way I'm standing out compared to other podcast production agencies is that in addition to the typical editing producing social media graphics audiograms transcripts show notes all that stuff i'm also implementing learning and education podcast education within that platform so kind of like a one-stop shop so like they're not just going there for the post-production but also for education and learning how to be a better guest host uh you know make their episodes better things like that so but there so there's podcast uh production agencies out there there's podcast coaches out there but i haven't really seen a place where they kind of do both and so that's how i'm i guess standing out um so just trying to find you know, whatever your business is, try to find a way to differentiate and stand out, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that definitely helps. And then, yeah, just, you know, having a social media presence, but not depending on it. Um, you know, having a website and email list. And one way to grow an email list is one thing I do is I use a platform called King Sumo, which is also free. And it's a way where you can run giveaways. So every month I give away a book and people can enter their email address. But then there's a bunch of other things they can do to get more entries to increase their chances of winning. So they could, um, you know, like my Facebook page or they could watch this YouTube video or whatever I, you know, put in there they can do to get more entries. And so that's one way also to grow your email list. Um, but when you're doing a giveaway, I definitely recommend giving away something that's relevant to your audience. Because like if you were to give away an iPhone, for example, anybody and everybody is going to sign up for that. And then as soon as the winner's announced, well, everyone's going to drop off and, mm-hmm. you know, get off the list or whatever. Right. So when I'm giving away a $20 book every month, uh, they have to be really interested in order to provide their email address for the chance to win something that's, you know, 20 or 20 bucks. Um, so I, I guess those would be some tips as far as ways of getting, growing your email list, growing your leads and uh, subscribers and customers. Um, and of course, Facebook ads are mm-hmm. one way to do that as well uh, relatively affordable um and yeah oh and and guesting on other shows um whether you have a podcast or not i recommend guesting on other podcasts that are within your uh niche because then you're leveraging their audience Mm -hmm. and um 
you know, it, it might get more, if you have a podcast, maybe you'll get more listeners to your show or yeah. if you're selling a book, you know, maybe they'll buy your book, you know, things like that. That's a pretty, um, usually free, uh, or affordable way to get exposure and grow your audience as well. So yeah, even if you don't have a podcast or don't want to start your own podcast, definitely guesting on other shows is what I recommend as well. Right. So Sarah, how about, about how many shows have you been on so far? Oh, I counted that actually a couple of months ago. And at that time, I want to say it was like 60. Uh, okay. So it's probably more up to like probably 80 now because I it kind of seems like I'm kind of on track as far as my own show how many episodes I have and how many shows I've been a guest on they're pretty level um so probably about 80 ish each <laughs> is, is that more shows than you've actually done uh well I've done 85 I think show oh, okay. episodes and so I've been a guest on probably close to that <laughs> as well wow. so so you're out, you're out there pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's like for every episode I record, I'm a guest on one pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So now well, you're we're happy your to have you yourself, for sure. Right? Oh, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, a lot of good you're... information here. Uh, yeah. Sorry, what was that? Oh, that's okay. I, you, you are, you are a uh, sole proprietorship, correct? Uh, LLC actually. Yeah. Oh, so do you, you do have a team to work with? Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, so yeah, I'm a solopreneur, I guess. Solo. Uh, I thought, I thought you meant as far as like my, no, no, I know what you meant. Uh, I, I, I yeah, didn't yeah. phrase that. Yeah. So, so you are, you are, you are a one person shop. Yeah. Yep. Okay. For so, right now, for right now. <laughs> sure. So, so how do you manage all of the things that go into making a shop work? It can be challenging sometimes. I end up spending most of my time working on something, <laughs> which can kind of uh, annoy, you know, people around me. <laughs> or, or they're like, hey, do you want to go do this that, or the other? I'm like, well, no, I have a podcast episode or I have to produce this podcast episode or whatever. Um, but I think one way of doing it is to at least designate a certain amount of time to certain things, certain tasks, like only 30 minutes to maybe social media and email, those types of things. Um, or maybe time, well, that would be time blocking, but even maybe day blocking where like one day you'll do podcast, a bunch of podcast stuff. And then one day you'll do, you know, marketing and advertising or, you know, grouping things together, I think, because then once you get in the flow of doing something, it gets faster and easier. Whereas if you're doing 20 different things every day, you're having to switch yeah. tasks and it, it, it takes up more time and energy. So I guess that would be what I would recommend on that. Yeah, that's one of my biggest challenges sometimes. It's just kind of like, all right. I need to focus on this today and then I end up, Oh, and then I try to do some of this too. And it just takes time away from the other one. So that's, that's mm -hmm. a focus that I have to keep in mind. You know? mm -hmm. So we, we, I, I, I kind of uh, heard us at the beginning with the mic thing. So you don't mind going an extra five minutes do you. Oh no, it's fine. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Uh, 
Did you have something, Warren? Uh, well, yeah. Um, I knew you did. So your podcast, I had, hadn't had a chance to check it out yet. So how much time do you normally do? Oh, how long are the episodes? Yeah. How long are you, is your show? Um, I would say on average 45 minutes. Some episodes are 30, some are an hour. I don't know if I've ever had one over an hour. Um, I have had some that are like 20 to 30 minutes, which lately anyway, which um, I've actually gotten positive feedback on. People have said mm -hmm. they like the shorter episodes better. Um, but so I would say on average, it's like 45 minutes. So now our, our guests, it's not live, right? No, not so this time. Do you get, how do you get your feedback? Uh, well, usually, well, it, it can be in the form of reviews, <laughs> like <laughs> Apple podcast reviews. Um, okay. And then uh, sometimes I'll get people like emailing. Okay. Uh, Email yeah. So emails or reviews pretty much. So, so the uh, attention span issue, because I know you try to, did you time your podcast? I mean, do you, t do you take your podcast and chop them up into pieces and put them out there or you just put the block out there and be done with it? Um, you mean like, do I turn an episode into multiple episodes or? Well, so, so a lot of. I watch, I, I go to YouTube a lot, get a lot mm -hmm. of information. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll run across a clip that's maybe two or three minutes long or a minute and a half long. That is mm. a part of a much bigger interview. Oh yeah. 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 So, um, I put the whole episode out, but then I also occasionally will do, well, I'm trying to do this more often, um, but do clips or at least audiograms that are 30 to 60 seconds that have like, um, you know, a really powerful comment or topic or whatever within that time. Um, so yeah, I, I'm planning on doing more of that because I have heard that the shorter videos, especially for YouTube anyway, um, do better. So <laughs> another thing to add to the list. Well, so, so you were talking about being a one person shop and, and I know the insanity that is my life putting on this show. Um, and now you're talking about adding video to that. Mm -hmm. So what yeah. kind of time frame are you looking at? And, you know, are we going to come back and see you in a year and, you're going to have pulled big patches of hair out and. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when I do interviews, there's usually a video component anyway. Um, and so now I'm just recently actually taking that video, putting it on YouTube and then taking the audio from that video for the podcast. Um, and I don't find that that takes a whole lot of extra time, but of course, you know, taking clips and things like that, though, I think with Descript, that might be easier or mm -hmm. less time consuming. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to start out with just taking like one clip per episode. Um, and then, I mean, some people do tons of clips. Yeah, they do. <laughs> per I episode. So I, I you know, I, I, it's, a, I just, so for me, I, give me the whole clip 
And then you, you can give me notes to say, you know, this is a special section, this is a special section. So down in the notes underneath, and then I can go to that section if I want to see that. But a lot of times um, there's great information in the, uh, in the interview or the, the video that now I've got to try to find the rest of the video to see the things that I want to see. Mm. And I realize I'm a little different because I do a lot of research. And mm -hmm. so for me, it's, you know, I, I want more than, um, you know, just a, a little short clip. Mm -hmm. So, did, Yeah, I mean, another option is like to have the whole video there, but then have timestamps. Right. Yeah, in the YouTube or right, in the, in comments the or in the show notes. Sure, yeah. The, right. So you can jump to this section if that's mm -hmm. if those are things that interest you. And and while that may take a little more time, um, I, I just think it's it's not as, you know, it's, it's if you're cutting the video up in the first place, that means you've got to go to a certain time frame, pick a, a certain amount of video. And all you have to do is in the notes of the, the video, say, um, um, special section, uh, we'll talk about radios, uh, time 721 to 732, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I, and then you keep the, well, anyway. Uh, any, anything else, uh, Warren? So before we get out of here, because we have kept uh, Sarah for forever. <laughs> well, I, I hope it wasn't too painful for Miss Sarah. Uh, we appreciate yeah. you coming on. And uh, I got a little, I took a few notes. I got some uh, topics I need to go look into some of your um, products that, that you use and recommend. So I appreciate that. And I will definitely check your podcast out and uh, maybe give you some feedback if I see anything that needs to be uh, updated or just to let you know. Yeah, awesome. Well, I appreciate it. So we'll give you All the right. last word, Sarah, and then we're going to go. Oh, a final word? Um, yeah, we'll give you – I mean, you don't have to have one, but I just thought <laughs> if you had – so, but well, we definitely uh, – I don't know if you want – so we have the – your uh, website on the screen and you could mm -hmm. at least give that again, but if you've got some other um, social media or other ways to mm -hmm. contact you that you wanted to add, um, we'll, we'll give you that chance to do that now. Cause I promised that at the oh, beginning. Sure. Yeah. So the, the website or to get the free, the three free books um, is the sarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's Sarah with an H and then S T J O H N. And then, yeah, I'm on all the social media platforms pretty much as at the Sarah St. John. Um, the podcast production agency is podseam, P-O-D-S-E-A-M.com. And the course is podcastprofitpro.com. It's not um, officially launched. It's up for pre-sale, but it's not officially completely ready yet and launched. But um and then, yeah, listening to the podcast, you can find it on any of the podcast platforms if you just search Frugalpreneur. I want to thank you again uh, very much. We've had a great time today. And we will keep a slot open if you'd like to come back and join us again in, um, in a period of time because I, I, it, it appears that you're going to be writing another book. I'm just feeling it. <laughs> I'm just feeling it. <sighs> so I don't have plans to, but maybe. <laughs> Well, I, I, I can't imagine. It, it didn't seem like you had plans for the first three books. That's true. <laughs> so, 
So I don't think they're going to be able to tie you down. I think I think I think you got at least one more book in you. <laughs> I might. I'll have to think about it. Alrighty. So we'll be back next Friday. Um, again, our summer break starts uh, June the twenty sixth to be the last show for the summer, and then we'll be back in the middle of August. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment, and thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you. <laughs>